Redshirts Dynasty listeners, before we get to tonight's show, I want to remind everyone about the Ultimate Draft Kit presented by the Fantasy Footballers. Okada, if you need a draft kit, where are you mm. getting your draft kit for 2020? Oh, I'm getting it at redshirtsudk.com, Bet, so I can tell you that much right now because not only is it the best product, but it's the best way to get it because you support us and get a discount. Absolutely. The code is redshirts. By entering that code at checkout, you're going to save yourself 10%. And friendly reminder, it's not just the draft kit that you're getting. You can also get the DFS pass. I will be hosting their podcast, the DFS podcast this year. There's also my content in the DFS pass it's a phenomenal deal sixty dollars is the combo you save yourself six bucks with our code you get both and it's a fantastic deal so check it out redshirtsudk.com welcome to the red shirts dynasty podcast a ball blast football production here are your hosts matthew betts Matt Okada and John Helmkamp. Welcome in to the Red Shirts Dynasty podcast. I am back. Okada, I am so excited to be back on the microphone. A lot has changed in the last week. I feel like it has been forever since I've even seen your face, since I've talked to you. Uh, Unfortunately, no John tonight, but... I'm back, man, and I got a ring on my finger. What the heck happened? I see that. <laughs> I don't know. I think you uh I think you got lost somewhere and ended up with some piece of metal stuck on you. Don't really know how to explain it. Um Yeah. Congratulations. Know, Thank you, sir. Uh yes, I'm now a married man. Uh very excited about that. Uh it was a fantastic week away with the misses on the honeymoon. I was listening back to the show. Cool. Uh, as a Dangerous. fan. And thing to do. what the heck were you and John <laughs> doing for an hour and a half oh. on every show without me? I normally try to keep it and try to keep us to an hour. Meanwhile, you hooligans are going on for almost two hours about these division previews. Um, so listeners, man, I am so, so sorry. But fortunately, I'm back. <laughs> yeah, the real loss for the listeners is we had promised because John and I were expecting to do this one uh, together without you. But schedules changed around and now we're going to do without him. But we had promised to do a two hour one at the end of our hour and a half one. So now we're letting them down. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah, maybe. You know, what? I'll step away for just one more for you guys. So you can just go <laughs> off the rails for two hours. I'm sure the listeners would absolutely uh, love it. But we are back. I'm super excited to get back on the microphone and talk with you tonight. We are talking AFC north uh by division here we're continuing our division breakdowns we've already done i guess now what is it three or four at this point so we're rolling it along with all these shows a lot to get to before the season starts obviously we're going to look at this from a dynasty lens friendly reminder find us on social media at retro's ff pod of course that is on twitter instagram and facebook and don't forget to check out the website ballblastfootball.com okada the content is flowing it is Ooh. phenomenal. There is a lot of good stuff on there. I just dropped uh, my favorite uh, bets to make for bets, the bets. bets bets for the winners of the rushing title, the receiving crown, as well as passing yardage. Lots of good info. We, we made that one. F- I was in a great mood today. We, I said, we, let's make it free mm. for uh, for everyone to check out. Kind of married life do you guys. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so that is free on the website. Normally, the betting content is premium. That is behind the Patreon uh, paywall patreon.com slash ball blast so if you like what you're reading there from the betting perspective check out our betting package on patreon okada let's get into a little bit of news before we get into the division i got great news guys all right man this is tough it's really unfortunate to talk about this kind of came out of nowhere uh, honestly darius geis has been released from the Washington football team amidst being arrested for domestic violence um, issues. Man, I, I don't know what to say. Like, honestly, it, it took me by surprise. I was shocked when I saw the alert on my phone, but we got to talk about it now, I guess, from a fantasy football perspective. Obviously, Geis is not on the Washington roster. If we're looking at this backfield, man, it is full of a bunch of random dudes <laughs> and one high oh upside rookie in Antonio Gibson. So I'm going to ask you two questions. One, if we're talking redraft, which of these running backs, I don't even know if I want to say do you want, which of these running backs do you think scores the most fantasy points? And then from a dynasty perspective, which running back holds the most value? Yeah, I don't want any. So it was good that you changed that around. Um, for redraft, 
it's really close because I have a clear dynasty pick in mind, which I don't think is necessarily that common. I think people waver a lot. Uh, and it, I'll start with that one. It's Bryce Love. To me, Bryce Love is by far and away the best talent on that team. This is a guy who had a 2,000 rush, 2,100 actually, rushing yard season, plus 270 receiving yards in college uh, in his junior year. Okay? that With 19 rushing touchdowns, by the way. In case you're curious, that's a lot of production. <laughs> he had a bevy of injuries which prevented him from a getting highly drafted and b playing at all last year so he basically had a redshirt season for this washington team i guess technically they were still the, the other name but forget we'll that. Leave that out <laughs> he is the most talented player in my opinion now especially for dynasty like you could say adrian peterson is a very talented player but he's old i do not want him in dynasty in redraft that's where it's a little tougher because i don't expect bryce love to be the starter out of the gate we may be looking at like a Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor situation, except Adrian Peterson's twice Marlon Mack's age and Bryce Love's not as good as Jonathan Taylor. Or at least we're not sure if he is. He actually has enough talent to be potentially that level of running back, I believe. So I really like him. If you can go get him in Dynasty, do so. For this year, don't honestly get any of them, but if you have to, it'd be AP. Yeah, I think in a, from a redraft perspective, Adrian Peterson's going to tote the rock, but I'm not sure it matters. I mean, we talked about this offense struggling. He's kind of one-dimensional at this stage of his career. I don't really see him catching a lot of footballs. I think Antonio Gibson is intriguing from that perspective alone. He only has 77 career rushing attempts coming out of Memphis. But when he has the ball in his hands, man, he is absolutely electric. And I think this offense needs him. I mean, outside of our boy Terry McLaurin and maybe Steven Sims, if you're kind of into him as a, as a sleeper, there's nothing on this roster to get excited about. So someone has to catch the football. And I think they'll employ Antonio Gibson a little bit more, maybe in like that slot wide receiver gadget type of role. So that's intriguing in, in some aspects. I do agree. Bryce Love is intriguing, but I will say it kind of reminds me of Geis. Like these two guys, super productive in college, really uh, exciting. And then with, you know, both guys tear their ACL early in their career, obviously for, uh, for Love, it happened in college. He actually ended up having like a second procedure to help reduce joint stiffness in his knee, which is actually kind of common after the ACL injury. And it just delays the, the rehab. Same thing that happened to Geis uh, in terms of delaying his rehab. His was an infection. So these two are kind of similar in that the start of their career was rough, but there's upside and there's excitement around them at this point, or at least there was with Geis. And now there is with Love. So, yeah, I like that call a lot. For me, I, I think the one I'm most excited about in Dynasty is Gibson, just because it's kind of the unknown of like what he could be. He's just so electric, but we know the biggest predictor of success at the NFL level, assuming all else is equal, is just production in college. And he really didn't have that much of it. So both guys are kind of a dart throw. I'm willing to kind of gamble on the, the receiving game of Gibson and kind of see what happens there. But I think both are definitely worth going out and seeing uh, what the price is to get them. What would you pay to get uh, Bryce Love on your roster? I would pay a second. Really? Yes. I would pay probably a mid-second. I, I mean, would sell him to you for a mid-second. <laughs> I, I, would, I would expect you would, and I would expect most people would, which is why I'm saying it. Listen, I didn't even mention it when I was giving the quick rundown. He was the Heisman runner-up he in that season that, that season that I mentioned. This guy is extremely talented. He fell all the way to the fourth round, and that's still where we're getting starting running backs often these days because of this injury thing. If he was coming in healthy... Who knows where he would have been drafted? Potentially in the same range as Jonathan Taylor. I would not have been surprised. So I think he's got enough talent to be much more of a fantasy RB1 potential guy than Gibson. Maybe Gibson has more short-term value because of the receiving game. I could certainly see that. All right, man. Next piece of news here we're going to get into is a couple more opt-outs because of COVID. So we haven't recorded, or at least I haven't recorded in a while, but you and John haven't recorded since the deadline passed on Thursday. And we had some... Miami Dolphins receivers opt out. Alan Hearns and Albert Wilson. Not really anything that's fantasy relevant there, but I just want to ask you, man, like, what do we do with Mike Kosicki? Like, oh. what, is, what is the ceiling? Because for me, I already had him at tight end eight before this happened. So, and I'm talking redraft. Now, in Dynasty, we obviously love him. I know you put out on your Twitter, at Matt Okada, mm. a very spicy take saying that mm. Mike Kosicki will be the tight end three in Dynasty after this season. Tell me more about that, man. That's that's super spicy. 
Yeah, I mean, I also had him at eight, and Tyler Higby was one spot above him. He jumps Higby for sure for me after these opt-outs. After that, it gets to Hunter Henry, and then the the tier of guys that we're really sure about, the Wallers and the Andrewses. I don't know if he'll jump Henry for me. I'm probably going to have to do a post-opt-out projections shuffle, see where he falls. But get Mike Gesicki now. I looked at my dynasty leagues. I the, My two main dynasty leagues, my sister is in both of them. She has Mike Gesicki in both of them because we, we preached when he was coming in as a rookie that he was going to be good. And she stole him from me in both leagues. I sent her off or sent her text. <laughs> what do I got to do to get Mike Kosicki off you at least one of these leagues? She was like, nope, we're selling him at George Kittle prices and that's it. And I was like, I almost would yeah. pay George Kittle prices because that's how much I want him. He is going to be incredibly good. The Pretty much the, the two main predictors of tight end value in Dynasty for me is, are they one of the top targets on their team, which is not a common thing in the NFL, and are they athletic beasts? And Mike Kosicki with, with this situation is 900% both of those things. We've already known he's an athletic freak. Now he's going to be, I mean, there's legitimate uh, uh, realm of possibility where he's the number two target behind Devontae Parker. Certainly could be the 2A to, to Preston Williams is 2B. We could be looking at it, uh, and this is why I tweeted it, we could be looking at a guy who has such a great season that next year we're talking about him as a dynasty tight end three. I would not be surprised. I can see it. Yeah, I can see it. I mean, I think, obviously, Kittle's going to be locked in at the one, no matter what. Yep. If Andrews sticks another step forward, I think he'll be the two. Then you're kind of in a debate, all right, is Kelsey still there because he's still elite? Yes, he's a little older, but he's still elite. And then maybe Gasicki can make that step forward. I could totally see it. And you kind of mentioned you know, Preston Williams. I just want to touch on that real quick. There was also a news report that came out saying that there's no guarantee he'll be ready for week one. Fortunately, I've kind of already been thinking that way because he's coming off of a November ACL tear. And we know the, the timeline to recover is usually at least nine months, sometimes upwards of a full year. So, you know, we just have to wait and see. And without the, the real the real training camp this year, it's hard to see what these guys are doing. So we kind of have to rely on those reports. But regardless, I'm expecting a slower start for Preston Williams. And I really, really think all of that goes, for the most part, to Mike Kosicki. So, yes, volume should be there. He's an athletic monster. Should take a huge step forward this year. So, I'm with you. I could definitely see it. Not sure I would put some money on that, but I could definitely see him being uh, tight end three in Dynasty come 2021. Any chance you are stashing Jakeem Grant? I don't know. I mean, he's Explosive also a Explosive guy. Little tiny guy, person. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, for what he is, I think he'll be good for the Dolphins. I don't really see him being a fantasy asset, so to speak. Um, it's also worth mentioning he has an Achilles tear in his injury history. And so, you know, obviously that matters. We have to see something first before I even get a little bit excited. I think it's going to be a lot of Devontae Parker, a lot of Mike Kosicki, and then Preston Williams when he's healthy. That's kind of what I see the breakdown, um, at least for 2020. We'll see what happens there with Jakeem Grant. But yeah, intriguing name to monitor for sure. It's also worth mentioning they did sign Chester Rogers, former slot wide receiver of the Colts, amidst the opt-outs there for those other two guys. So that is the news. Okada, let's get into the division breakdowns. Before we do, an important announcement on the show. The Listener League is back. And this Hell. year, it is different than what we did last year and the year before because it was just Red Shirts listeners. We are combining True. forces with our partners, Kate and Michelle, to have a combined two podcast listener league amongst all of us, all five of us, you and I, John and the girls, and then nine other fans. Mm. But to enter, you have to be able to leave a review and a rating, of course, on your Apple podcast app. When you do, make sure you screenshot it and you have to do it for both podcasts. Okay, not just ours, not just theirs, both podcasts, screenshot both of them. And tag us on Twitter at RedshirtsFFPod and at BallBlastFB. Make sure you do it for both. And of course, once you do that, you'll be entered. We'll let you know when we get all the entries in. We'll pick uh, people to be in the league and then we'll decide a, a date and we'll go after it. And there's rumblings, Okada, that we're going to have a ring from our friends at Trophy Smack oh. as the reward for winning. So really intriguing Shiny. stuff. Super excited. I cannot wait to beat you and beat all of the listeners. Okay. So. Okay. <laughs> All right, man. Should we get into these breakdowns? Let's do it. 
All right, let's start with the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're talking AFC North. Let's talk Steelers. I don't. I want to start with the best asset for Dynasty on this roster. It is our boy Juju Smith-Schuster, and I don't even think that's a question. No. I feel like there's a, a small group of players that I'm going out and I'm buying this year because I know next year it's going to be way too late. Mike Kosicki's on that list. Juju Smith-Schuster is also on that list. Mm. Do you agree come 2021, let's say like January or February after the season, that he will be unattainable in Dynasty Leagues because he's going to explode this year? Uh, yes, almost certainly. Now, I will say this. He has exploded before, and his price is currently much lower than it was after that explosion. So, theoretically, it could happen again. Who knows? But, listen, this is a guy before his 22nd birthday. No, through his 22nd uh, year. So, before his 23rd birthday, had 2,343 receiving yards. Two players in NFL history had more before their 23rd birthdays. Josh Gordon and Randy Moss. But talking about the second greatest receiver of all time and a guy who legitimately could have been the second greatest receiver of all time (laughs) if he could have ever gotten off the puff puff. So Juju (laughs) Smith-Schuster is well on his way to being a not... Yes, not just an elite fantasy receiver for many years to come, but an elite NFL receiver, a guy who could be in the Hall of Fame one day. He is that level of talent. We've talked about it many, many times. Everything that happened last year, put it in a nice, big, glad, hefty bag. The ones that can't rip if you put hangers in them. Because there's a lot of hangers in last season. (laughs) Yeah, the force flex. Put it in there, tie the top, throw it in the dumpster. That's where it belongs because it was Big Ben gone, mess of a season for the Steelers. It is not going to be that way again. I expect another year or two from Big Ben, no problem. And Juju's going to thrive. And then they're going to go and get someone who's better than Mason Rudolph because that's not hard to do. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't agree with, or I can't agree more, I should say, with anything that you just said. The fact that, I mean, I hear this on other shows and I see it on social media and stuff and articles, like people are just referencing anything that had to do with 2019 for the Steelers and it's irrelevant it's not even worth bringing up because it was so bad this offense went from top five in um, pace of play plays per game first downs per game scoring I mean you name it they were there then they went bottom 10 in every single offensive category it's just not even worth talking about so when you look at 2018 that is the team that we're getting with Big Ben back and oh by the way we have more details come out on his elbow surgery I'm even more confident now in Big Ben than I was two months ago. I was a little bit hesitant to kind of see where he's at. I think week one, man, he is full go. And I think mm. Juju is going to benefit a ton. And and I honestly think he's going to explode this year. So I'm super excited. I actually put out in the article, uh, league leaders in passing yards, or I should say receiving yards. I put Juju on the list. Like I'm making a bet on it. He's plus 2,000. That's the juice to get. On, on him so you have to put a little bit of money to win a lot of money and if juju somehow like just goes back to what he did two years ago he could legitimately push for the most targets in the league the most receiving yards in the league i truly believe that i mean you look at the the catchable targets this is per espn's field yates he put this out last season the uncatchable target rate for juju was above 22 percent in 2018, with Big Ben, it was just over 8%. I mean, that shows you how bad things were for Juju. So I think I'm with you, man. If you don't buy him now, it's going to be too late next year. What would you pay to get him in a dynasty league? I have a, an offer in mind that I think of in terms Ooh. of first and second round picks, but I want to see how high you are on him. Um, I would probably, ideally, I'd say I would do a first and a player that is that is a sell-high kind of guy. Where the person who has Juju is disappointing after a bad year of Juju. I send him someone who had a great year last year and is going to fall off and add in a first and get me some Juju. It's a mid-level wide receiver two kind of guy. If it was only picks, I would I would probably do two firsts. It would, it would maybe have to be like a mid and a late. I don't know if I'd do two high firsts. That might be a little much. But I might. I would. I would. I might. Two firsts. Two high firsts. Yeah. Um, what about what are your thoughts on like a Cortland Sutton and a mid first for Juju? That's a pretty good one. Yeah, that's one that I like because I think he had a great year last year. A lot of people are high on him, but 
I don't really trust that team. They added a bunch of players. I don't know if it's going to help him or not. That might be the kind of guy that I'd do in a deal like that. Yeah. All right. If anyone has questions about any of those trade offers, of course, hit us up on Twitter at RichardsFFPod. Okay, man. Anything else to discuss for this team, specifically from a dynasty perspective? I think Big Ben, we know what he is. He's a veteran. He'll get you a year or two more. The quarterback of the future is not on the roster. You look at um, the other wide receivers, I think there's a lot of intriguing aspects. You know, it's it's James Washington is entering, I think, year three at this point. We've yep. got uh, Chase Claypool, who's a rookie out of Notre Dame. We also have Deontay Johnson, who's a really, really, I think, intriguing dynasty darling at this point. Everyone's on him. Anything you want to discuss amongst those pass catchers there? Um, I, I I guess I feel like that we, we have to throw a little bit of water on the Deontay Johnson fire just because of how hot it is in the dynasty community. Because the typical thing that I'm seeing is, he, guys, that Juju guy is washed. Deontay Johnson is the man. He's taken over as the one. And Juju can go back to playing second fiddle like he did with AB. Get that out of my face! <laughs> Juju Smith-Schuster is so much better than Deontay Johnson, and that's nothing against Deontay Johnson because he's good. Led all rookies with reception in receptions last year, sneakily. Uh, he's going to be good. I think he's actually going to help Juju by putting something good on the other side. And uh, what I've seen from Big Ben is the ability to support multiple good fantasy receivers. So I think Deontay Johnson could be a wide receiver three this year easily and be a good dynasty asset. However... He is not taking over as the one. He is not going to be a top 15 receiver anytime soon. Get it out of here. Go away. That's all I have to say, say about his, that. Yeah, I would say his ceiling to me seems like wide receiver 18 to 20. I was so literally like, going to say 18. So the number yeah, of it came And that's my great. You need that on your dynasty roster. So I'm not saying he's not great, but any comparison to Juju. Yeah, I'm, I'm not here for that. <laughs> Juju's ceiling is the one. Yes, absolutely agree. Um, tight end, of course, we have Eric Ebron. We also have Vance McDonald still on the roster. Anything exciting there? Uh, it's hard to call Eric Ebron exciting, but I don't mind picking up some Eric Ebron. It depends on the temperature in your league form, but my understanding is it's quite cold. It doesn't take much to get Eric Ebron. He's a guy who had one great year and got bounced around other places. That year was so good that I do believe he has the ability to be very good. I think Ben Roethlisberger can throw enough touchdowns that Ebron catches seven or eight. And if you catch seven or eight touchdowns as a tight end, you're a tight end one. So I think he has talent. He he has, when we were talking about the two aspects of a good tight end, he has that that ability, the athletic freakiness, the, the red zone monstrosity. I don't think he's going to get 100 targets, but he may not need to if he can get... 70 to 85 and score seven touchdowns that's probably good enough for me fair enough and then I think of the running back position I mean Benny Snell's the backup you want to James Conner obviously there's no long-term locked in production there I, I don't think the, the running back on this team is there this season Anthony McFarland's a good depth piece I'm not in love with him He's nope. fine for what he is, but I think this team addresses running back in some way, either a free agency or the draft again next year. All right, man. On to the Cleveland Browns, who seem to just mm. let us down Duh, every single year. Browns. Duh, Browns. However, there's optimism. We have a new coaching staff in town with Kevin Stefanski. We have two electric running backs in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I think we know what Nick Chubb is. Like He is a top, would you say, five runner of the football in the league. Easily. I think still an absolute monster dynasty asset. I feel like people are nervous because of Cream Hunt, but we can't forget there's no long-term guarantee with Cream Hunt. And I know Nick Chubb's going to be on this roster for another two years. They just upgraded the offensive line with Jack Conklin coming in. They also took uh, a, a tackle in round one. Uh, man, I I'm excited about Nick Chubb and dynasty, and I feel like there's not a lot of people that are. Are you getting the sense of that in, in your leagues too? I am, and some of it is my fault because I've been telling people in from a redraft perspective that Kareem Hunt is going to hurt Nick Chubb a lot, and I have Nick Chubb pretty low in my rankings for 2020. However, as you mentioned, I don't think Hunt's going to be there. They, you know, last year was the half a year paying his suspension for a very bad mess of choices that he made, uh, that we all saw. But that's that's now in the past. This year, he would have gone on and be, been a free agent, potentially made a good amount of money based on his talent, but he got tendered by the Browns. So he signed that. He's playing out through this year. But listen, this guy is way too talented of a run, running back to play second fiddle to Nick Chubb for the rest of his career. 
after this year in which he has 16 games to show out, and I think he will, somebody is going to sign him for seven, eight, nine million dollars, probably. Could be more because he's honestly worth closer closer to those high end guys from a relativity standpoint. And he's going to be on another team thriving, and Nick Chubb is going to be the man man in Cleveland. So this is a perfect time to buy Nick Chubb. The cost is still going to be pretty high because people know he's on NRB1, but right now the fear of Kareem Hunt is maybe hurting his value a little bit where in a year when we when we now know Kareem Hunt is leaving, Chubb's value is going to be massively skyrocketing. I definitely agree with everything you just said. I mean, for me, he's also one of those guys that I think if you don't buy Nick Chubb now, it's going to be too late because everyone's going to know, all right, Kareem Hunt's out the door next season. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm in on Nick Chubb. I'm, I'm putting some money on him as well to lead the league in rushing yards. We talked about him as losing passing down work, but I've also put this in the article on ballblastfootball.com. He could lead the league in rushing this year. He was only 46 yards behind Derrick Henry last year. So I'm putting some money on it. Plus 1000 odds to do it. I think it could happen. Big time year coming, I think, for both those backs because they need them to succeed. Let's kick it over to the wide receivers. We're talking OBJ and we're talking Jarvis Landry, mm. arguably one Oof. of the best five wide receiver duos in the entire league. I'm going to kick it to you this way, okay? At ADP, which one of these guys do you want in Dynasty? Odo Beckham still going as a top 10 receiver. Jarvis Landry going as around the wide receiver 30 last time I looked. Man. That's it hurts my feelings because I want to say Odell because I still think he's getting drafted too low, but the price on Jarvis is so too low that I can't say Odell. So uh, yeah, at his price it's Jarvis, but I want whichever one I can get. I probably don't want to roster both necessarily. I think this is going to be a mostly run heavy team, so I don't want to necessarily have two guys from a run heavy team. But if I can get either of these guys, I'm going to be pretty happy, especially at those prices. OBJ is going to bounce back, assuming health, which to be fair is a tough thing to assume for him, but I believe it will be there. Assuming health, he has top five upside. He has, for heaven's sakes, he has top one upside. He was the number one overall dynasty pick a couple years ago. Like, not wide receiver, overall dynasty pick. Yeah, he was the guy. That is the kind of talent he has. So, I... If you can get him now before this is another one of these guys we're talking about. He, this could be a massive year that that blows people's minds and reminds everyone, oh my gosh, this guy was on track to be the greatest receiver of all time. He literally was, and then had a bunch of injuries and a kicking net problem. So go get some <laughs> Odell. As for Jarvis, perennially underrated. You want some of that, especially in a PPR league. Super valuable guy. Yeah, uh, for me with Odell, like I know that. The benefit of our listeners being on the show is just like more accurate injury information. And this is Keenan Allen 2.0. Everyone's, you know, he's so injury prone. Like he's, you can't trust him. Well, I am. And there's a reason. Like these injuries do not have a correlation that look at, you know, same knee injury or same, uh, you know, shoulder issue or whatever it is. They're kind of fluky. It seems to be kind of hit or miss. And last season, he talked about it when he picked up that. Um, sports hernia in week one of training camp he came out after the season and said like I literally was in pain every single week for the entire season he still went over a thousand yards with a horrible offense a horrible coach so yes I'm buying the bounce back from Odell this season and just real quick at ADP I looked it up Jarvis is going as the wide receiver 31 are you kidding me (laughs) yes okay here's his finishes half PPR finishes going back to 2015 it's wide receiver 10 15 8 19 and 13. I mean, the perfect, why you do this? <laughs> perfect wide why, receiver too. Why you do this, ADP? For your roster. So yes, definitely go out and get yourself some Jarvis, who by the way is coming off of a hip surgery to repair a torn labrum, but everything looks good. He is not on pup to start training camp. I think he'll be ready to go week one. Maybe a little bit of a slower start to start the year, but certainly for Dynasty, I'm still in uh, on Jarvis as a value. All right, man. Quarterback. We got to talk Baker. It was mm-hmm. really exciting. His rookie year came in to mm-hmm. replace Tyrod Taylor, set the rookie passing touchdown record, and then fell on his face last <laughs> year. Are we are we chalking this up to just Freddie Kitchens? What the f? Or or is this like? Are we concerned about Baker from a dynasty perspective? I'm gonna chalk it up to 82% Freddie Kitchens. What the f? And 18%. 
Baker getting a little in his own head and thinking that he was already a superstar and, I don't know, getting out of focus. The commercials got to him. Exactly. (laughs) All I can think about is all those gosh darn commercials cleaning the stadium. Yep. And meanwhile, he's out here playing like poop on the the actual field. (laughs) But listen... Uh, fortunately for us, that that bad year, I think, will humble him a little bit. I think he comes back, works harder, has a fully healthy wide receiving core, and dominates again. Potentially takes a step forward from what we even thought was the case after his rookie season when he set the touchdown record. This time next year, I think we could be talking about Baker Mayfield as a top six dynasty quarterback easily. I think we could be talking about him like we've been talking about Deshaun Watson. Legitimately that kind of upside. Now, would I predict that? Probably not, but I'm not that far from doing so, man. This this is a Heisman, number one pick, everything you want in a star franchise quarterback guy who has all the tools he could want in his offense and a new coach that we believe can be good. The only question mark is if Stefanski is good because every new coach... I'd like half of them fall on their face and every new one takes a little bit of time to work up to a fully functioning team and offense. So we have to monitor that a little bit, but I believe in Baker. I believe in his receivers that we just talked about tight ends. We haven't even talked about, but they're also good. The running backs we talked about are incredibly good. Kareem Hunt is a beastly pass catcher. He has too much talent and too much weaponry to be as bad as he was last year. Maybe ever again. Yeah. And I think, you know, just, just knowing what they did to address those issues and revamp the team gives me confidence. Like they said, okay, Baker, you're really good when you pass out of play action. Let's get a run-heavy scheme and just make you as efficient as possible. Let's draft an offensive lineman in round one. Let's sign Jack Conklin. Let's sign Austin Hooper to run two tight end sets and pay him the most at ever tight end in, in, in history. Like to me, it just seems like they are. There's a smart football. They know what they're doing. They're kind of looking at what they did wrong last year and addressing it. And I will <laughs> well, say the Browns and smart football don't go yeah, together. So it's scary to even say. say that. But <laughs> but I'm kind of buying it. Uh, fool me once, shame on me. They, they, fool me six times, shame on me again. <laughs> they have to look at what they've done wrong for the last three decades, and yeah. then maybe they'll learn. <laughs> maybe they'll learn. We'll see. All right, man. Last thing with this team, tight ends. I feel like people are just so down on Austin Hooper. They're so down on David and Joku. I feel like David and Joku is the one of the more sneaky buys in Dynasty that exists in today's game. He still is super athletic. He is still super young. He is going to be on the field this year for this team. They're going to run two tight end sets. They signed him to a fifth-year option, and he's done virtually nothing in his entire career to this point. I mean, they have a plan to use him alongside Austin Hooper. So... Am I saying this year is like breakout top 12 tight end? No, I don't think so. But are you telling me that he's not going to be signed to a second contract with someone else and potentially be the starting tight end there and just reach his his peak at that time? Maybe. And I'm willing to find out because I think, honestly, you can get David Njoku for a third-round rookie pick right now. You think that's pretty fair? Um, Probably just because the owner who owns him has been so disappointed with him that his they would sell him lower than he should go for. I think that price is too low, certainly. Um, and uh, let's be clear. I don't think he's going to do much this year. And, by the way, he he was barking for a trade. That didn't happen, and he ended up walking it back. So he clearly wants, or wanted, and now is pretending not to want, out of <laughs> Cleveland. Um, he, wants to, he wants to be the tight end one somewhere, and he probably should be because he has that kind of talent. Uh, had a weird year last year, hashtag Freddie Kitchens, where he didn't do anything. So I expect him to be gone from Cleveland probably after this season. I don't know where he'll go, and I don't know whether he can ever be the guy we thought he could be, which is like a top four guy, but I do think he can be a tight end one pretty frequently, and his price right now is like 20 spots behind that. Yeah, I think he's just a value, and it's kind of a dart throw at this point, but... Uh, For that price, I'm definitely willing to find out what happens. Okay, man, anyone else on this roster you want to talk about, or can we move on to the Ravens? Um, not really. Donovan Peoples-Jones, some people are big fans. Obviously, he's behind behind Odell and Jarvis. I I have no faith or trust that he's going to do anything anytime soon. So, 
I don't want any of the pieces behind the big names we just talked about, largely because they're really big names and it's hard for anybody else to get a piece of the pie. Absolutely. The other thing with him, too, is like he's just all hype. I haven't seen anything from him, right? Like goes to Michigan. He was a top, top rated recruit coming out of high school. Goes there, does nothing, nothing at Michigan. And now they take him. I think it was a six round pick this last year. So, yeah, yeah, if he produces, I'll be surprised. But I don't have him anywhere. I don't plan on trying to acquire him at this point. Anyway. Okay, man, before we move on. Want to give a live read to the sponsor of tonight's show. That is FantasyGo.com. You heard us talk about them last year. They're back as a sponsor and really excited to partner with them again. FantasyGo.com is so unique. There's nothing else like it in the industry because basically what you do is you go on their marketplace. You can search for any analyst that you like. This is specifically really good for redraft and DFS leagues. You find an analyst that you like, you trust. Maybe you look for myself on there. I know Kate and Michelle are both on there. You can find them and basically you get to chat back and forth one-on-one, look at their roster, help them out with trades, help them out with waiver wire advice, DFS lineups, all that kind of stuff. Really the best part about it is just the personalized chat feature, which you can't find anywhere else. I mean, we're on Twitter a ton and we try to interact with you guys as much as we can, but it's just so hard to, right? Like we're busy, we're trying to, to manage all DMs, we can't do it all. So this is the place because... It's, it's literally like a, a, a paid feature, so you have to do it. If someone hires me to do it, I will do it. I will make sure that I talk to you about your fantasy team. So check out fantasygo.com. They usually run a promo early in the season to give you a chance to try it out, see if you like it. So definitely when you're thinking about your, your week one lineups, your, your drafts for season-long leagues, check that out at fantasygo.com. All right, man, we're on to the Ravens. Let's start with quarterback, Lamar Jackson. I mean, what the heck <laughs> happened last year? We've talked about him a ton. Woo. I feel like we don't need to really go into it a ton of detail, but are you still on Team Sell Lamar at his current ADP? Yes. Just for anyone who is new to the podcast and hasn't heard us say this because we say it like every other podcast, Lamar Jackson is not going to do again what he did last year. Probably ever. He had a 9% touchdown rate. That is double what a good quarterback does and well above what an elite quarterback does on a regular basis. Meanwhile, that, that, that was just his passing. He also had a all-time quarterback record rushing yards, destroyed teams on the ground, and then managed to throw a touchdown. Maybe just because everyone was afraid of him running the ball, there was no way to defend against either. I think that A... That touchdown rate is going to come down just because it has to. It's, it's how regression works. B, teams are going to figure out more and more how to play against Lamar Jackson. And, by the way, he's going to start slowing down probably, I don't know, within the next few years. Because that's just what happens, especially with quarterbacks rushing, let alone anybody rushing as they age. And that's going to take away a big part of his game. He is going to be a top three quarterback probably for the next five years at least. I I am not saying that he's bad. I am not saying that you should sell him for peanuts. Definitely don't do that. Uh, Sell him for whatever your favorite food is times lifetime supply. Uh, But sell him (laughs) because the price he will go at after what he did last year is a better price than you're going to get after this season and every other season after this one. You're such a hater. I know. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Lamar. No, we talked about it on um, on a show. I think it was like three or four episodes ago at this point. You guys can go back and check it out. We talked about players to sell if you're just blowing it up. Like, if you know you can't contend this year. If somehow you had Lamar Jackson and you were not winning your championship last year, clearly the rest of your roster is not good because what he did was league winning. And so, if you have him in that scenario... It's, you have to trade him because his value, like you said, will never be higher. He's a player that I brought up as a sell in that in that aspect. I think the only way I'm keeping him is if I won it last year or I was in the championship. Like if I'm a top two to three team, I'm fine to keep him. Obviously, he's going to be great. But outside of that, yeah, I'm, I'm full sell mode here with Lamar. Um, real quick, just to throw out a couple of trade scenarios. Dak Prescott and a first for Lamar yes. Jackson. Easily. Kyler Murray in a first for Lamar. Yes. Dak and Kyler are both a hair below the Lamar tier for me. All right. Name any other name in a first, and I probably wouldn't do it. But those two are in a first. No. No, thank you. I am not a Deshaun Watson fan. That's the line. All right. 
Um, all right, one more. Josh Allen, a first and a second. Josh Allen, a first and a second. Probably not enough. All right. I think that kind of gives people reference of like what it takes to get Lamar. So you can yeah. sell him for a ton. Let's yeah. talk about the running back position. Obviously, Mark Ingram is there. He's one of our favorite redraft values this year because everyone's just assuming, all right, in comes the new hotness. J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State. Mark Ingram, get out of here. Well, Mark Ingram does a lot for this team. and He's not just going to go away. I think he's still going to lead the team in production at the running back position. But obviously, J.K. Dobbins is super intriguing. I know as a podcast, the three of us, you, John, and I, weren't the highest on him as a pure talent evaluation. But man, you could not have dreamt of a better landing spot for what J.K. Dobbins does and what he did in college compared to, you know, the the zone read scheme and the Russian quarterback with Justin Fields at Ohio State and now Lamar Jackson in the NFL. So for that aspect, I'm getting super excited about J.K. Dobbins. I think he could be absolutely fantastic in 2021. If you didn't get him in a rookie draft and we're projecting that type of massive step forward, do you feel like J.K. Dobbins has top 10 running back potential? And if so, I imagine you would give an early first to get him for next year. This uh, this year or in Dynasty at some point? Top in 10. Dynasty. So like 2021. Yeah. Absolutely. Without question, he has RB1 potential. He has top five running back potential, in my opinion, on this team with the production that he had. And again, like you said, you know, we from a scouting perspective, we didn't necessarily love him as much as we love some other guys. But still, in a lot of classes, he would have been the RB1. Insane production at Ohio State. Has all the tools. Is a guy who can shoulder a large workload and be a part of a run-first offense. This is a great situation. So, yes, I would sell or I would buy him for a first next year. Um, I don't know if the person who just drafted him was going to be willing to do that. And I will say I would probably wait until halfway through this season when he has not stolen the job from Mark Ingram. And the guy's like, what do you mean this guy drafted from Ohio State that's supposed to be the next Ezekiel Elliott is not the RB1 on his own team? Get him out of here, and he'll sell him to you for low first or early second if you're really, really lucky. That's probably not going to happen. But uh, maybe maybe wait until midseason to try to go get him. Or hopefully you just already drafted him. Yeah, I think I would give a first and a second, honestly, to get J.K. Dobbins because there's no doubt. In 2021, he's the dude. And yep. we talked about the scheme fit just being absolutely perfect. I will also say, if you're doing any best ball drafts right now, which I've been doing a ton of on Underdog Fantasy, um, he is going super late, like 8th, ninth, 10th round as a value. And I don't want to worry about starting J.K. Dobbins, but I know there's going to be weeks where he falls in the end zone and he picks up 80 yards on the ground because Gus Edwards had 750 rushing yards last year. <laughs> so... He'll be yeah, fine yeah. in certain weeks. I don't want to trust him in, in a weekly, you know, where you have to decide when you start him type of format. But in best ball, he's kind of a value this year, I think. He's okay, also man. probably an elite handcuff. Oh, yeah, for sure. I definitely so, agree with that. Yeah. All right, wide receiver. Marquise Hollywood Brown. Mm. I feel like is honestly the only name to talk about. Maybe if you're a Miles Boykin truther, we can talk about him a little bit. But honestly, it's it's iffy outside of those two. Talk to me, man. What are your thoughts here on, on Hollywood Brown? Is he is he set up for a huge step forward? Because we have one of our boys in the Patreon chat. Mo absolutely loves this dude. And he talks yep. about him every day. He put on like 20 pounds of muscle. He's working out like crazy. What are we doing with Hollywood Brown? Okay, first of all, I don't necessarily like the fact that Marquise Brown put on 20 pounds of muscle. I want him running a second faster in the 40 than every other player, and that's how he's going to win. If he puts on 20 pounds, I think he might slow down a little bit. But setting that aside, and he was a tiny person, so maybe this helps. Setting that aside, I mean, listen, one of our absolute favorite friends of the show, Jason Moore, and one of the smartest guys in the industry, came on and told us that he was going to bold predict Marquise Brown leading the league in touchdowns this, this year. There is a high, high ceiling for Marquise Brown. There is also, in my opinion, a pretty low floor for the price that it takes to get him in most places. Because this is a guy who is very highly drafted. He went in the first round of your rookie drafts. He's so flashy. He's got a quarterback who just won the MVP and led the league in touchdowns. 
He had quite a few touchdowns himself, by the way, and this is plays into Jason's prediction, despite not playing a full healthy season. I think seven. And I think he might have played only 14 games, maybe even 12 games. Um, yeah, it was, it was very solid. I am... I'm not a I'm not fully sold. I am buying in a little bit more and more to Marquise Brown, but that just takes me from the guy who's selling him everywhere who doesn't want any piece of it to the guy who's maybe holding him and seeing what happens this year or maybe selling to the guy who's willing to buy him for an overpriced uh number. Did you say 13 or 14 games? I said 14. Dude, you were, and you said seven t- touchdowns? Yes, seven touchdowns. Mr. NFL research. You nailed it. Mm. 14 games, mm. seven touchdowns. Uh, you do the math at home. Obviously, that is a half touchdown per game. True. Listen, man, he is a guy that I am kind of warming on, but I know that every single, like every other fantasy analyst and player is also warming on him. So the yeah. price is going up a ton. And I'm not sure that I'm willing to go up and get him at his current price because the hype is building. I mean, anytime you see this player come out in the office and they're like, all right, I put on a ton of muscle, like I'm back. Well, that does help in some aspects from durability. But he, like you said, is a speed guy. I want my wide receiver that's this size to have a ton of speed like Tyree Kill. So I want to see what he looks like this year before I can kind of put a full stamp on him. But he did come off of Liz Frank's surgery in his final season at Oklahoma. And then, of course, had a kind of a, a off and on season, had pain in his foot had surgery this offseason to remove the screw in his foot, which usually helps a ton with pain. So I think from that aspect, I mean, you got a green light from a health perspective for Marquise Brown. It's just a matter of can he really take that step forward this year? There's tons of smart people in the industry that think he can. I'm just not sure that the ceiling is what people think it is because we talk about Lamar Jackson, right? Like it's got to come down at some point. Well, obviously that affects Marquise Brown. So for me, it's all about price. If there's someone in your league that's like super jazzed about this guy and he's like, I want two first, like, no, definitely don't do that. But if you can get him for a late first, mid first, I might be into it because I think he could be fantastic in this in the NFL. It's just the the hype, man, is out of control. Yeah, I mean, uh, one thing I will say is I think that the 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 thing that you might go to in your mind is is he the next Tyreek Hill? And there's some aspects of that that are fair. I mean, assuming he actually did gain 20 pounds. In fact, let's just go ahead and say that he only gained 15, but they said he gained 20 to make him sound better. If he were to have gained 15, he would be the exact same weight as Tyreek Hill and one inch shorter and maybe has similar speed. Although Tyreek Hill is probably the fastest player in the league. But Marquise Brown is pretty up there. And he had a better rookie season than Tyreek Hill, who was a gadget player in his rookie season. And not drafted like Marquise Brown was, although largely for other reasons. I think he might have a Tyree Kill upside, but I think it is a pretty slim chance that he does that. In fact, I will say it's definitely a very slim chance that he does that because Tyree Kill is a super elite receiver. It would take a lot for anybody to reach that level. So don't go, don't go buying or thinking that Marquise Brown is the next Tyree Kill. Just know that is the potential upside, but the more realistic prediction is that he's a wide receiver too, maybe a Deshaun Jackson in his heyday type of guy, I think. Fair enough. Okay, man, on to tight end Mark Andrews. We talked about it a little bit with Mike Kosicki at the start of the show. Where does he fall in your dynasty rankings as far as tight ends? Uh, that would be uh, tight end three right now. Same for me. Do you feel like he has tight end one overall potential in dynasty? Could he, uh, could he overtake... George Kittle, let's say, in the next five years. I don't honestly think I can say that he can, no. Like, unless something happens to George Kittle, Mark Andrews is very good. He is a red zone threat. I could see him scoring more touchdowns than George Kittle every year for the next five years and still not top him because Kittle is a whole other thing. He is his own species of tight end. I mean, you know, we, Gronk was his own species. Before that, Tony, Tony Gonzalez was his own species. Kittle is a new, his own species. The way that he moves with the ball, the, the yak that he produces, the ferocity that he has, he's a beast. The hair. Yes, true. <laughs> the wrestling uh, references. <laughs> Mark Andrews is, I have, no, I have no doubt in my mind that he can be the tight end two for the next five, five years, jump Travis Kelsey and be there right behind Kittle. I don't think he can jump Kittle. I think he might be in Kittle's tier even. 
So I love him absolutely. Do whatever you can to get him. But that that is his ceiling, I think, right behind Kittle. I agree. Um, and real quick, just from a redraft perspective, um, it kind of sucks to talk about, but we have to do it because it helps fantasy players. He does have type 1 diabetes, which is a risk given the COVID pandemic. So Ooh. if you, I'm not saying he's going to get it or it's like, oh my gosh, like don't draft him, but it is a factor. So maybe you're on the clock and you're like, all right, I like Mark Andrews, but I'm really excited about Zach Ertz. Maybe you lean Zach Ertz this year just because it's less risk. I still have him ranked as a as my tight end four in redraft leagues. I'm super excited about him. But maybe if you're looking at two other guys, that kind of is a tiebreaker. So I just want to put that out there for listeners. Let them know that that is a factor. I have him as my tight end five at the back end of the tier of super target guys. So that actually makes me feel better about that. But I do want to ask a quick question because I don't think we've really addressed this in too much detail and i know that you're more of an injuries guy a pt not a doctor but maybe you can still shed some light on this if somebody contracts covid in the middle of the season what do we expect is the timeline for them to play games again and then to be 100 percent again do you have any idea it's hard to say because honestly like you look at well first off we have to talk about this in different lens right so like a 50-year-old guy is different than a 22-year-old absolute stud athlete, right? Like the recovery mm. timeline is going to be different. But even people that have had it, and I've talked to other people that have had the uh, the disease, that fortunately were able to overcome it. If you have symptoms, I mean, sometimes you're affected for like a month to six weeks. And then it's like, okay, now I got to get back into kind of like football shape. So I honestly right. think it's more serious than people are thinking about in mm. in fantasy leagues. I'm not saying that it's going to be that case, that the, that way for everyone, of course, but it's just so it's so kind of like fluid. Like it's such a weird situation where we don't really know the specifics of how each player is going to respond. For example, we know with the hamstring strain, like okay, it's risky in the first two weeks. How much did it affect this guy? How little did it affect that guy? There's just so much fluidity. It's hard to really speak to, but I think it is more of a big deal than people are making it. I would say from a, an NFL protocol perspective, we know it's going to be at least two weeks because you have to be able to right. um, overcome it and then test negative. I think it's twice is what they're doing for 2020. And then, okay, you can start back up with the team. And so then you factor in, okay, they're away from the team. Is there a scheme change that's going on? Is there someone else step, stepping in to take targets, like, et cetera, et cetera. And they're doing all this via Zoom. So it's like... Hmm. what really is going to happen it's going to be wild man it's going to be so wild this year but yeah a lot to unpack there with the covid scenario uh in 2020 okay man Bengals finish it up here joe burrow Ooh. we have tua as our rookie quarterback one but mm-hmm. i'll tell you what man joe burrow is no slouch and i honestly no. think he could be a top 10 dynasty quarterback in in one year after the season do you agree with that assessment, or is that too hot takey? A 2021 quarterback one, yes, is what you're saying. Now, are you saying that he should be, he will be drafted as that, or he will finish as that in 2021? I am saying that that will probably be in the range of outcomes for him as far as the finish of okay. 2021. Then yes, I 100% buy into that. I doubt that he will be drafted as that because he would have to basically have a top 10 season this year as a rookie for that to be the case. But I believe that he's going to be closer than people think. After I finished my projections, he had a real nice season in my projections. Over 4,000 yards, <laughs> uh, 22 touchdowns, which isn't exquisite, but for a rookie, it's plenty good. Um, he is extremely good. We I know we talk about Tua as our favorite guy, and that's because Tua is also extremely good. But Burrow is very, very good, and he probably has a much better situation for the short term at least, than Tua does. In fact, it's getting to the point with the recent talk about A.J. Green, which we didn't mention in the news, by the way. I don't know if you saw that. Did. Uh, reports that A.J. Green is looking like himself in camp. Take that for what you will. But if you take it as, oh my goodness, well, this is an elite wide receiver one we're talking about being back to elite wide receiver one status, which is what it could mean, that's a huge deal and should be, well, we'll get to AJ Green in a second. But for Burrow, that's a huge deal, especially as a rookie to have a veteran guy like that. It's getting closer to the point where I might swap the two in my dynasty rankings. I'm not sure. For now, it's two because just from a fair. prospects, yeah, just from a prospect standpoint, I love, I two is my favorite. So I'm, I'm keeping it there for now, but we'll see. 
that being said, yes, you are 100% right. Joe Burrow could be a top 10 quarterback next year in 2021. Joe Burrow could be a top 8 quarterback next year in 2021. If AJ Green is still healthy and kicking, and Tyler Boyd is what he can be, and Joe Mixon takes a step forward, and the offensive line that has been awful takes a step forward, which it can, including the uh, offensive lineman they drafted in the first round last year who got injured and didn't play a single game. And Zach Taylor's offense gels after its first year last year that was terrible. We were talking about a ton of pieces that could start. What is this? When they when they no shuffle idea. together. It's like a, it's like a puzzle. I don't know. They fall into place. What? All right. If Listen, you're not watching man. on YouTube, you're doing it wrong because I have no idea what Okada just did on his camera. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're watching on YouTube, you'd understand. It's all the pieces just, you know, they're walking into place. I can't explain the analogy. All I can tell you is the Bengals could be really, really good soon, and Joe Bro could be the head of it. Yes. Um, I'm not sure I understand the reference, but I agree with what you're saying, that they could be very good. I mean, the pieces, this offense is so underrated of what it could be. I mean, again, everything is to happen where it falls into place. The, the, the line needs to be better. Joe Burrow needs to be legit. Um, AJ Green needs to be healthy, like et cetera, et cetera. It needs to happen, but it could happen because the one thing I'm most excited about with this offense is just the pace of play. I mean, you look at what they did with Zach Taylor, like you said, in his offense. Last year with his first season at the helm, they jumped up to ninth in plays per game. And then before that, they were 30th and dead last in the last two seasons. Ooh. So he kind of has that up-tempo, like Sean McVay-esque offense that I like. And if that can happen where Joe Burrow is taking charge, yeah, I like it. The other thing is, too, you know, at LSU, he did average just over 27 rush yards per game. So it's kind of a sneaky floor to add to his game that I feel like not a lot of people talk about with Joe Burrow. So I love that aspect. Um, man, I'm kind of talking myself into him here more. That's I, what I'm like saying, you mentioned, man. In redraft, the, the numbers, I was shocked. I was shocked at what they came out to be. I'm with you over 4,000 yards. I Honestly, in a super flex league, even in redraft, I think I'm okay with Joe Burrow as my quarterback too. Is that is that nuts? It is not nuts because I have him ranked there, if I'm not mistaken. Let me check real quick before I go putting myself in a silly hole. Technically, I have him at quarterback 24, so he is a QB2. <laughs> I don't love him by QB2. But and I, I think there's a chance he can move up, especially that 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 is pre-AJ Green situation. If it turns out right. that we're looking at AJ Green as a full go. That he's going to move up potentially significantly because that is a huge deal. Also, even more important than that, bet I have realized what I meant and how to properly explain explain this Ooh, analogy. Here we go. So you've seen the all the Avengers movies, yes? Yes. Okay, so Iron Man has a suit of his mini suits where he like slaps a thing on his chest and then all the pieces start coming out of oh, nowhere. Oh, yes. And like connecting to each other, moving down the arm, and all of a sudden, all these little pieces are a full-blown Iron Man suit and then he fights somebody and beats their face. That is what Cincinnati is. <laughs> Let's go. Analogy full circle. <laughs> Boom, there it is. Uh, I love it. Let's talk about AJ Green real quick. Obviously, he's playing on the, um, the one-year tag. Long term, we're not sure. Obviously, he's over 30 years old. I think he still has a couple of years left where he could be really good for our fantasy rosters. I'm just not sure that we'll ever see the old AJ Green. I mean, we talk about injuries late in a career. Obviously, he's I think he's 32 entering this season. Um, maybe you want to check me on that. But either way, you know, it, his prime is past. And for me, I think it depends on what you are looking for with AJ Green in redraft leagues. Dude, he's going as a wide receiver three. And I feel like at that price, I'm okay with the risk because he's a player that I trust from injury perspective. You know what I mean? Like you just, there's players where you just kind of have hmm. this feeling about them and like, okay, this dude keeps his mouth quiet. He works hard. I know that he takes good care of his body. He's doing the right things. And the early reports out of camp is that it's working. So for him, I'm kind of buying a bounce back. It's just a matter of what is the bounce back that you're buying. Are you expecting top 10 production? No, I don't think so. But can he produce like wide receiver 20 numbers and be a value in redraft leagues? Yeah, absolutely. I could buy that. So I think if you're a win now team in dynasty, maybe you see what it takes to get him. But certainly in redraft leagues, I think I'm more in on him than dynasty. Yeah. I mean, if you look back at AJ Green's statistics over the course of his career, it's hard to get a real sense because he's missed chunks of games in several seasons. But if you do the 
seasonal average, the 16-game average of his career, his entire career, including his rookie season, it comes out to 87 catches for 1,300 yards and nine touchdowns. That is very the kind good. of receiver that, that is very good. That is a, <laughs> he is and has been a, an elite top five guy for fantasy and for the NFL for almost his entire career. If you give me 80% of that, maybe even 75% of that, not only is he still a wide receiver too, but he's a 100% value over where he's going right now. So it, you know, if we're getting, if I'm getting either 13, 14 games out of him or 16 games at, you know, 32 year old step back AJ Green, I still feel pretty good about that. He, his talent is massive. He can lose a little bit of it and still be very productive for fantasy. For sure. And just speaking to his injuries too, you know, coming off of the toe surgery that was going into the 2019 season, then the high ankle sprain had a cartilage injury in his ankle. Like those two things do well with time. And so if anyone was ever expecting anything from AJ Green last year, then you're really disappointed because you were just like, okay, like he's coming back. I'm really excited about him. And then he just let you down. But in reality, you really should not have expected anything until late in the year. And then of course it wasn't even worth bringing him back at that point. So I think it's all about perspective with AJ Green. Like you said, if you can get him at that wide receiver two outlook and you believe that's, that's in the range of outcomes, then yes, he's a screaming value. But outside of that, um, certainly you might be disappointed if you're expecting the old AJ Green, so to speak. All right, man, I know that you love Tyler Boyd, and let's close out the show with him. Tell the people about Tyler Boyd. Tell them why they need to be trading for him right now in their dynasty leagues. Oh, my goodness, do I love me some Tyler Boyd. So one of the, uh, the main reason that I love Tyler Boyd so much is because I did a full scouting profile on him as part of my scouting, scouting academy semester that I did. And I picked him on purpose because I was curious because uh, of the large discussion that was revolving around entering last year of, is this guy really good? Because if AJ Green is gone, can he really hold the mantle of a wide receiver one? He is very good. He is an extremely talented and reliable player. He is a good PPR receiver. He is a good, he's an above good. He's extremely good at contested catches, which means he can be a touchdown machine. I believe that he can he can be a 90 catch, 14 yard per reception, eight touchdown guy, like a Mike Evans, uh, which is very very high upside. Obviously, that's the kind of player I believe Tyler Boyd can be. Now, last season without AJ Green around in at least in any respectable capacity. It was pretty much volume for Boyd, 148 targets, 90 catches, not necessarily super efficient. I think A.J. Green being back for another year and now getting a proper quarterback situation is going to resolve a lot of that. And we're going to see a target load in the 130s to 140 range, potentially, depending on what A.J. Green commands and how healthy he is. But an efficiency that takes another step up from that. And you're looking at wide receiver one upside if that all pans out. So in my opinion, he's a wide receiver two safe, good wide receiver two with a high target volume, which is better than the price he's going at, if I'm not mistaken, but with an upside of wide receiver one ability. So absolutely grab him wherever you can. I would pay first without hesitation. Yeah, I mean, you talked about kind of the the target count. He could see, he saw 148 last year, a, a massive target share. And obviously that was out without AJ Green, but the, the thing that people talk about all the time is like, oh, he was better with A.J. Green on the field. So even if we get 80%, 85% of what A.J. Green used to be, that's going to help Tyler Boyd because in that season, his catch percentage was above 70%. He was super efficient. He was posting better numbers with A.J. Green on the field. So I agree. I think that this is good news for Tyler Boyd. And then also kind of looking back at what happened last year with Joe Burrow at LSU, Justin Jefferson, rookie wide receiver for the Vikings, those two were teammates. He was massive for that team out of the slot, super productive. If if that's a tendency of Joe Burrow to, to target the slot, obviously Tyler Boyd lives there. He's going to do very well. So, yes, I'm in. I put this out uh, about a week ago on Twitter without any like context. I just said, go trade for Tyler Boyd right now in your dynasty league because I know that he and Joe Burrow are locked in together for a couple of years, and I think it's going to be excellent for our dynasty rosters. I'm with you 100%. All right, man. That is the AFC North. Any final closing words here for the people? 
Um, well, I feel like we should just say something about Joe Mixon. Oh, yeah, we should talk about you Joe You rejected Mixon. completely. Um, he's very good. That's all I have to say, honestly. That is it? <laughs> yeah. He, he, he's a very talented player. There's a lot of question marks right now about... Is this offense going to be good? Is he going to really be the true beastly RB1? He's kind of been inefficient and not that great, and he's never really broken out like he was supposed to. I'm not concerned with any of that. He is a talent, an extremely good talent, and we just talked about how we think this offense is going to take a step forward, that the pieces are falling into place. The Iron Man suit is going to be complete, and he is the little force thing that comes out of the hand. In this Iron Man suit, because he is extremely good, and I think he will be in RB1 regularly as long as this offense is what we think it can be. For sure. And I think, too, you know, looking at last year, like, people just, people don't understand that it was two seasons, really, in one for Joe Mixon. Like, the first half of the year, he dealt with an ankle injury. The offense was kind of still figuring out how to really use him, and the line was not good, and all these things. And then all of a sudden, in the second half of the year, they were like, oh, if we give Joe Mixon like 20 touches a game, the dude's a monster. And we saw him explode down the stretch. So, I, you know, these these organizations, sometimes you're it's risky to put your trust in them, but I'm trusting that they know what to do with Joe Mixon because, honestly, Gio is another year older. He's kind of losing his burst. And outside of that, I mean, I'm not concerned about anyone on the running back depth chart he should have a ton of volume the offensive line should be better the quarterback play at worst is going to be the same as it was last year so yes I think Joe Mixon is bound for a big season this year and I feel like his true ceiling hasn't really been reached so good call there uh sorry Joe forgot about you on the show here uh to close it out but that is the AFC North lots of good discussion here with Okada and myself uh we'll be back probably later this week with Johnny Pooh Hopefully, you can find him on Twitter at DynastyBeardOkada. is at Matt Okada. I'm at the Fantasy PT. Don't forget, listener league entries, reviews on Apple Podcasts for us mm. and the Ball Blast Girls. Check that out. And, of course, come play. We're playing for a trophy smack ring. Until next time, Brother Richards. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Dynasty Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod. And check out BallBlastFootball.com for all things fantasy football.